Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. Mike and Wade here are in the studio at Wisconsin Lutheran College, and today we our topic is going to be uh, how can a preacher speak about social issues? And, and we won't get political; that's not not our job here. Um, but how does a preacher go about speaking about issues that are inherently political? Um, or social or or cultural um, maybe and we won't do a, do a, a, a do list and don't do list but but just some of our thoughts that perhaps we've had from our experience of preaching and um, and some maybe some criticisms of of, of preachers have, who have done it done it of poorly. ourselves yeah. yeah and of ourselves too at times where maybe we should have said something differently or, or not and so that'll be our, our main topic and uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while um, uh, I think it it plays in uh, with the doctrinal vocation a little bit uh, surprise surprise but um, uh, I'll be talking about that a little bit and for our free-for-all I think we're gonna do last meal so like you know and with our health, every meal possibly could be yeah, our last. Twenty twenty, you never know, right? So we're gonna we're gonna talk about those two things, and and uh, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy our talk today. But before we go any further, we just want to remind you that this show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you are just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. back for our free-for-all we are going to discuss last meals so we've all you know heard about this or you know saw in a movie or tv show that someone who's going to be executed is going to uh has has a request for the last meal it's one of those uh, i don't know if that actually does happen do you get to request your last meal if you're on death row is that just a hollywood thing or is that yeah because i've I've read uh articles about people and they'll say their last meal was yeah i but is that like just a courtesy or is that like written in the law like you're about to kill someone you probably well i mean i think it's very you know the least you could do yeah whether or not it's capital punishment is right i'm not saying it's right right. or wrong but i'm just saying either way it is it is taking a life it'd be interesting the history of that like i'm guessing like you know emperor so-and-so from wherever um was giving uh, a last meal to you know, some enemy far stretched from the from the from the empire or whatever. But uh, it'd be interesting to know the history beyond that. So let's say Wade, that you have been um, accused and convicted of a capital crime, and uh, it whether or not you're you're guilty or not, um, I don't think that'll change what you would choose for your last meal, would it? No, I would hope it'd be okay. some cool, at least like treason or. Yeah. Not like, I, I want to murder someone just to murder them. But. No, I don't think you have it in you to even protect yourself. Yeah, no, I don't think I could. I don't think you could take a life. Um, I've never really learned how to say it well, but whenever I say it this way, they give it to me. 
I think I'd get pod thai. You know what I'm talking about? I don't. It's like uh, noodles. Um, there's like egg and peanuts in it. I thought um, you said Tide Pod. I'm like, you should not be doing no, this. No, Pod Thai. Okay. Um, other vegetables. And I actually like to get tofu in it. Oh, yeah? A lot of people don't like tofu, but I like the texture of it. You do? It's I, I, I'm very weird about texture. Like, I don't like any melons. Yeah. But I actually kind of like tofu. And then uh, I think uh, I would have that. Um, and then if I got a, a side thing, I'd have uh, one slice of good black olive pizza. Mm-hmm. And then for... Uh, Dessert, uh, probably my wife's banana bread. Oh, nice. And a big glass of milk. Yeah. Whole milk, because I'm dying. Right, you're dying anyway. Might as well go for it. Um, that's pretty good. I think I would go with ribs. Ribs are my favorite. What kind? Like Pork, beef. Pork, for sure. Although I do like beef ribs, too. But uh, pork, let's go um, either Memphis or St. Louis style. A full rack. And um, cornbread or something with it? What do you have with your ribs? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to, because I, I don't have a whole lot of space, I'm going to skip the cornbread. Sweet because, potato fries? Nope. It's going to be a two meat meal. So I'm going to have uh, one um, fried chicken drumstick. Again, you're going to die. So Yeah, but I feel like you're going you're gonna to go with like a, you're going to be, your stomach's going to be feeling all, eh. Right. You're going to be groggy. I think I can do it. And and I think I'm going to have mac and cheese as my side. That's a good side. So I got some Southern comfort food going on. For dessert, that's tough. I would either go chocolate ice cream or cheesecake. And I, too, them. I too, yeah, I, I, too, would go with a glass of milk. I like milk with, with all of my meals. Yeah, So I do as well. And then maybe just a little thing of, like, Bailey's or brandy afterwards. I don't, I don't think they give you alcohol in jail. Even for your last meal? I doubt it. I'm guessing it's like a policy. Like yeah. we're a dry campus. Yeah, could be. I bet you like if you were rich enough, had enough connections, you probably could get what you, you wanted. You could probably get like jail booze, like the stuff they make themselves in there. <laughs> I don't think they make, I'm, I'm guessing they don't make Bailey's. Like if, like the, I'm sure some guy says do. that that's what his tastes like, you know, that he... Because you have to like, get, like, milk Bailey's, and cream and stuff like really that. But it's really like in a Meyer bag, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's been sitting in the corner next to the toilet for a month to ferment. So either way, we're not having salad for our last meal. Do you think anybody would choose salad for the last meal? I wouldn't mind, you know, like there's, there's some salads that are, that are really good yeah. salads, but... Yeah. Um, it would, but it, where a salad becomes like a really good salad for me is at the point where, like lettuce is in the minority. Right. So. Right. I get it. I'd like a spinach salad. See, I don't like any. I only eat iceberg lettuce. I don't like any of the let the. I don't feel like uh, all those other leaves to me. It's like as a kid we had a maple leaf tree. Like I wouldn't eat a right. maple leaf. Right. But I get you. to me, like spun, spinach is. It's like eating a maple leaf. Right. That's why I don't like. I, I don't like salad. I. At all. I like iceberg lettuce. It has to be crispy lettuce. I just, and then I found out that iceberg lettuce really doesn't do anything good for you. I'm like, why am I doing well, this? Well, it holds then? all the, uh, the good stuff you put on right. the salad. So then I said, Cottage I don't, cheese I don't mind the taste of spinach. Black olive I don't mind the taste of spinach. So if I'm going to do salad, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to choke down something that's not going to even be good for me. It's your last meal, though. Right. That's what I'm saying. Just in general, oh. though, if I had to do a salad, I wouldn't do spinach. 
problem is spinach goes bad real easily. So, so yeah. Anyway, all right. That's all. That I was got. pretty exciting for our listeners. I bet <laughs> it's probably par for the course when yeah. it comes to our free for alls. It'd be better if uh, Ben and Peter were here once in a while to uh, liven up the free for alls. But hopefully they're listening and will come on. I don't soon. think they even listen. If not, we'll. Come I don't know back. if anybody listens. My mother listens. What's the point, Mike? Actually, uh, recently I had. Why do we do this? Three different people ask, "Why haven't you been putting out episodes?" So we do. How have many at least three to? people. Only one. I have had people ask too, but I think it's just what they say to be nice. <laughs> it's kind of like should... nice sermon after that after service. Yeah. And people just say it because they're supposed to say it. Yeah. We have. Um, we do have some. I've been reading French philosophers again. Can you tell? <laughs> I liked you better when you were stoic. <laughs> All right, we'll I gotta rotate. We'll be back with our main topic. from the pulpit yeah from social issues and stuff like that so it's just in preaching well let me let me let me make this point and then we can we can go wherever we want that sometimes we don't it it took me a while for me to figure this out that there's a difference between preaching and teaching kind of we were taught you know kind of an information sort of way of preaching like you want to you want to teach them something you want to maybe inspire them certainly you want to do law and gospel but there was this kind of idea if you're a good communicator and i think they meant that people would remember things so think about like your your you know public speaking classes or or maybe later on if you went down this road your teaching classes but i think that there's a difference between bible class and preaching right and um Preaching, like we'd like to say, is first article, right? It's for you. It's a proclamation. The word of God has power. It does something. It, it is its promise, right? And so that's a whole lot different than trying to get somebody to agree to something or be inspired by that. And, and I think that is a Lutheran middle road, um, especially uh, uh, comparison to maybe a more uh, decision the theology. The podcast now owes uh, a nickel. Luther Middle wrote it, probably copyrighted. So. Oh, yeah, so we got it. We, got it. we, should, we should do, like, instead of a swear jar, like a Deutschlander should, should jar or something. Up, yeah. like Every time you quote a Deutschlander without giving them credit, you have to give a quarter. Um, so a first article proclamation is something a little bit different, and that, I think, distinguishes uh, Lutheranism, especially from more of a decision theology type uh, preacher who is whose goal is to manipulate to a decision. And I don't mean manipulation in necessarily in a negative way. 
although you know think anxious bench and stuff like that it may have been but i'm trying to build an argument which is nothing wrong with that saint paul does that all the time build an argument towards a conclusion and and there are times when a sermon would do that but that is definitely more of a didactic thing and the sermon while it may teach something is primarily not a didactic thing it is a proclamation of law and gospel it is a i even say it's an extension of confession absolution i want you to think about your sins um i want to hammer you i want to kill you with the law and then make you alive with the gospel so what then when it comes to good works in general but then also social issues specifically from the pulpit and if we and if we have time and want to we could certainly talk about that in a bible class or or a pastor in the full vocation what does it what does that mean but specifically from the pulpit and what i'm after is this uh it's it's what terrorizes not terrorizes is what frightens every preacher at least a good preacher that they get up in the pulpit and they don't want the gospel to, uh, to be hindered in any way. And so in, in a very similar way from sp about speaking about social issues, left, right, middle, whatever they are. Um, I wish we could just get rid of that. Whenever someone came up with that left, right spectrum. Right. That, it's, it's, it's too, it can be, it can be helpful. Any, any like it's measurement cheap. like that is, can be helpful, but it also becomes a handcuff too. It's cheap and easy, and and I'll say a lot in I'm class. I'm not faulting you no, for using and, it. And I'll say a lot in class. I'm like, for lack of a better word, liberal or conservative, but I'm saying that because I'm too lazy to explain it. Right. It, it, they're lazy terms. Right. So, but in certain circumstances, you're like, okay, forget. There's what, nothing better to use. What I'm saying here is no matter where you are, social issues are social issues. In a similar way, it's a very difficult thing for the preacher to speak a sanctified living. If you want to call it third use of the law, fine. I don't want to ever, ever, ever have a listener leave the church with the last word on their heart being law. I don't want them to feel that they have not lived up even though they haven't. I want them to feel comforted that even though they have not lived up, they are forgiven and loved. So how do I give advice about living? How do I give advice about virtue? How do I talk about being a father, a mother, a, a wife, a, a husband, a child, a worker? How do I do that without the last word being law? And even if it is the soft kind of law, that can be the most dangerous kind of law that says, now go do this. And here's how you do it. That can be very dangerous because very easily, and we know it happens, people can fall into uh, despair because they are cursed with honesty and know that they haven't lived up. Or um, they can um, become very arrogant and start pointing out the sins of others and, and, and uh, pat themselves on the back, right? And it's a very inward thing. It's right. not a very neighbor thing. I don't know if you're thing. asking me. No. Uh, it's a very inward thing. How am I doing in my sanctification rather than an outward thing? So you can't ignore the Christian life. You can't ignore sanctification. You can't ignore uh, uh, the, these kinds of preaching and, and, and uh, Jesus and the apostles did not. But it's terrifying to the, to the thoughtful gospel preacher 
the possibility of leaving people with the law because that is the last thing you want to do. So how do you do that in the pulpit? And in a similar situation, I can't ignore um, abortion. I can't ignore racism. I can't ignore um, these big issues that are on the mind of, of my parishioners. But how do you do that without alienating people? How do you do that without leaving them with the law? How do you do that without leaving them with despair towards the world or towards themselves? And so I, I don't know if, uh, Wade, you've thought that, that out, or but do you have any preliminary thoughts about how do, how do you do this? How do you, how do you get away with this without, how do you balance all of this? Yeah, um, I was kind of thinking I'd like to add sweet potato fries to Done. my last meal if that's Done. with a, uh, like a Casey barbecue sauce. Okay. When you said the barbecue that. Yeah. I didn't choose my barbecues. I would like multiple barbecue sauces. I don't like the spicy. I like the, like Texas is too spicy. I like Mm -hmm. the Casey Tang. No, I think. North Carolina is good too. North Carolina barbecue. Um, I mean, I think for me, it's, it's helpful if we speak in terms of preaching and teaching, um, just because of my own experience, but because I also think that, um, you know, these, these things go hand in hand, um, in, in many ways, right my Bible classes were an expansion upon preaching, right? What I was doing homiletically in the pulpit, you're then able to un- unpack in a didactic way and in a, a back and forth way uh, in the Bible classroom. So I, I think the, the the preacher's task is to call out sin. Um, and Lutherans are, are well positioned uh, for speaking to things like we see today um, because unlike uh, some confessions of the faith, uh, Lutherans, at least historically, see sin both as something that is individual, right, actual sin. Um, it's, uh, you know, what I do or do not do, sins of omission or sin of commission. Um, but we also recognize sin as um, individual, not only as actual sin, <clears throat> but as um original sin, which is guilt. It's real guilt I bear, even though I never did anything, right? Um, but that original sin, in a way, is, is not merely individual. Um, it puts me uh, in a kind of uh, sad fellowship <clears throat> with everyone else um, outside of Adam and Eve at the beginning of creation um, and with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're able to, to I think, to speak about... Um, Sin that is, uh, we for instance, we can speak of um, racism as something that all of us are guilty of to one extent or another, intentionally or unintentionally. But we can also speak about racism that is um, part of the structures that we have set up in society, whether it be within the church itself um, or uh, in the communities in which the church finds itself um, or as a nation or, or as a, a world. Um, so the church with the, the minor, minor and major prophets can rightly lament social injustice, right? Um, and the prophets do do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but where the, the task of the, the preacher or teacher is, is paramount is that these things have to be done in terms of neighbor. Um, we have a, an ability as fallen sinners to turn even the best things um, 
into tools to be used for our own selfish ends. And so that's why I have a very hard time with Twitter, right? <laughs> um, it becomes very easy um, to use legitimate uh, concerns, movements, um, to fuel my own self-righteousness or sense of self-worth, um, to even to want to find my tribe, so to speak. I'm with the people who are mad about this. And what that does is it, is it loses sight of neighbor. A, it involves no action, mm-hmm. right? Um, but B, it's already drawn lines. There's the people who are of, are of my tribe and not of my tribe. And that can be done on a broader scale with Democrat or Republican or however you want to do it. Um, the challenge is to see um, in both the one who has expressed something racist and the one who has suffered racism, um, people for whom Christ died um, and who need a righteousness outside of themselves. Outside of the law. And it's easy to see that with the suffering. We realize the suffering needs something. And this is maybe perhaps why, um, you know, the suffering have written some of the most beautiful hymns and um, and poetry in all of church history. Uh but if if I'm asked who is my neighbor, um, take it if I were attending a protest now, uh, and I think there's reasons for Christians to attend or, or, or not attend, given the circumstance and the situation and what's going on, um, you know, based on their own life situation. Uh, both the person who is legitimately upset about their experiences in life and has not had good contact with the police and the policeman who is there to try to keep order. Both of them are my neighbor. Um, both of them need Christ. Uh, and so the, the difficult task becomes, and this is something, that, a, a pet peeve of mine too, is sometimes the church will use these moments as like almost corny opportunities to like m- market the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to take these slogans and we're going to, um, well, <clears throat> okay, so... And I'm not picking on anybody. You heard that, Mike? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but something like no justice, no peace, that is something that could be used. Probably That could be a good sermon theme, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want to be careful with doing is if you're, if you're using that, and you can speak about Christ and the atonement and mm-hmm. um, shalom, uh, is that I, I don't do that in a way that minimizes the, the very real concerns and sufferings of my my neighbor, that, that makes them just a... A hypothetical, mm-hmm. right? Um, the goal of that will want to be, um, and I wouldn't even use that. I just, I think that turns people off. But if you were to use it, um, you know, to engage the very real realities of, of life in a fallen world. Um, and I think what un- unfortunately has happened is that different churches have chosen different sins on which to focus. Um and so uh, probably those churches that are, um, if I'm going to avoid left or right, more traditional or orthodox in their orientation, from my perspective, um, have chosen to double down on sexual modesty, um, but probably aren't that great on economic modesty, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right? Um, some on the opposite side, um, maybe the term progressive or um, uh Maybe we'll double down on 
economic modesty, but not so much on sexual modesty. And I use that as a, I only pick those because I'm thinking of a book, for instance, uh, misreading the scriptures and the... With Western eyes. <coughs> and, and you see Jesus um, and the prophets, right, talk about both of these sorts of modesty. Um, and so what happens is um, we... Everybody gets to know their parishioners. They know their pews. And then you play to them with the, the sins. Mm -hmm. The temptation can be that there's a good way, right? You should focus on their sins. That's good. Mm -hmm. But what I mean by play to them when it becomes bad is you know the sins that they're okay with you calling out. Mm -hmm. And then you know the sins not to mention because it might upset them. Um, and this is where I think the minor and major prophets are so interesting is, again and again, God's saying like, um, you know, I already got to go back and if I produce that last episode, cut out you cussing. So I got to watch. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, upset them, mm -hmm. right? This is, um, this is your job. As you said, the law has to kill, um, but to not do so in a way that loses sight of neighbor. When these things become an agenda, then the church has lost sight of its goals. And the churches that have made um, what are very worthwhile um endeavors to call out injustice but when that has become the telos the end goal um, and not something that you do because of who you are in the telos of Christ <clears throat> in whom you have died and been raised then the the reason for the church's existence fades when those things have been um, addressed the church then also can become a one-trick pony um, and the reason for addressing that can be lost as well so I think the challenge is to do so um, in a way that knows to whom you're talking, um, that doesn't lose sight of neighbor and whoever, right? Um, it isn't just vilifying. Um, uh, you know, Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than to walk through the eye of a needle, but he calls Matthew, right? Mm -hmm. um, he's hanging out with the tax collectors who are pretty, pretty well off. I think that's where, um, you know, and you, and you think of Paul in Galatians, there's no woman or man, free or slave. What Paul is saying by that isn't, uh, he doesn't start interest groups. Um, not, I'm not saying it's wrong to start interest groups either, but what he means by that is they're all neighbor, and they all have standing before God. And so these groups that have, in a fallen world, inherent tensions Right? Those who are rich understandably want to protect their wealth. <clears throat> They've worked hard for it. Um, those who are poor understandably want not to be poor. P being poor is unhealthy. It causes trauma. Um, it doesn't give you access to things that keep you well. Um, it, is, uh, it impacts generations. Um, the, the, you know, the, these, the Jew and Gentile, there were natural tensions there. Um, but they're all neighbor in Christ. Um, and I think that's where it becomes difficult. And, and we end up at, acting in these ways of you're either, you're either this or you're that. Um, you're either pro-police or anti-police. No, um, you're either pro-life or pro-choice. Now, what do I mean by that is um, you can be pro-life, but at the same time um, understand and need to be compassionate towards those 
who feel desperate enough to consider getting an abortion. It's not just the church's goal um, to stop an abortion from happening. It is to look at that person who's in that situation where, right, most people getting an abortion, this is not this is not like going to Disney World. Um, it's traumatic for them, too, to be able to look at that person and say, what? How did we let you get here? Mm-hmm. Right? How did how did this happen? Um, and I don't know that we are, we're always. Uh, I mean, you look at the church's past of, um, you know, being pro life, but then treating um, the, the the single parent of the, who decided to have the child mm-hmm. as a second class citizen. In certain instances, I'm not saying that happens universally, mm-hmm. but it has happened in history. Um, well, you've lost sight of neighbor in that, and and your goal now has simply been. Um, that people don't have sex out of marriage and don't have an abortion, rather than your goal being um, the uh, health, the health, I mean, shalom, right? The peace, the well-being of every neighbor. Um, and, uh, and and that's where, you know, there were, you, you see things in the early church that I think we could reclaim a little bit better today. Um, the early church didn't join a political party, but it did have start what we would call hospitals today and mm-hmm. orphanages and universities you know, visiting the prisoners um and these impulses were there and i think you know the danger today has become that people think um to do those things you have to pick a side in a lot of ways in which you don't have to pick a side but i talked for too long i don't know Sorry. if i made any sense no i mean to put it succinctly you know if you're going to rail from the pulpit on the bedroom sins then you better rail on the pulpit from other sins right and i think the point is that you're not railing on the other out there world oh the look out it's terrible. not a theoretical yeah. hypothetical yeah. you're and not that's, that's a huge deal for for everybody i think to that's realize. the biggest thing yeah it, this is not a, th- a theoretical thing it's not a, a theoretical world out there that's falling apart. Woe is the church. Nor is it um, uh, the, 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 the person who commits sin something that's theoretical. Those are the people sitting in your pews, right? And I think there's some clueless pa- pastors out there who like to rail on these sins, not knowing that they have just, with, with very little forgiveness, Right. And to know your own experiences are not the same as those in the pews. This is the importance of pastoral visitation, of listening to your members, of getting to know them. Because, uh, you know, my my experience and the person next to me can be radically different. And if you if you, you're clueless, if as a pastor you get up and say, my people would never do this. If you are preaching any law without a specific gospel towards the people who break that law, you are damning somebody, some listener. I can almost guarantee it, unless you're a church of like your family. That's what I love about Augustine. Like you know, with uh, Peter Brown's biography is great, and like he eventually got to the point where he realized, like, I can never say my people would never do this because <laughs> <laughs> my people they're all doing about everything. I mean, they're going to the circus, which we read that and we go, oh yeah, circus kind of problematic, right. no, maybe no, no. mean to the bears and the tigers. No, gladiator games, like right. people being people murdered, died. like you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and and I think. So there's a warning there. Um, if you're going to go down the fire and brimstone, then you better you better you better go scorch earth with everybody. And you've never like if you watch like in history of warfare, like World War Two movies, the guy with the flamethrower is not a sniper, right? <laughs> he is not like yeah. shoots a little bit. Yeah. He just yeah. And so we can justify this is very a lot of this is kind of a Protestant thing, especially with the coming out of the. Protestant work ethic kind of mindset, you know, I, you know, 
the problem with everybody is themselves. True enough. But the solution is not you get yourself out of it, right? There's a there's a lack of understanding of the of bound choice a lot with this. Well, and, and, so and of original very... sin because the problem – yes, I own my own problem. But at the same time, I was born into a fallen right. world. Like it wasn't like – I ruined the world. <laughs> right. And this hyper individuality that just says, well, of course you can just choose to get yourself into the whatever next, uh, you know, the next class or whatever. That's just kind of a, that, that's a very us versus them. Right. And so, and the church has done a lot of damage against the proclamation of the gospel by choosing these specific political issues to, take a stand on even if they're right even if you're absolutely there's no wiggle room you're absolutely right but when they became wrong when they became the message the thing that enlivened your reason for existence yeah and if you have no sense of forgiveness for the people in your pews and in your communities who have not lived up to that standard then you have given them you have given them a very easy choice and that's to tune you out and then if you actually do get around to the gospel um, then you've already lost them, right? And and they're not going to give you your ear. And so I, I think this is, how do you do this in the pulpit is the ultimate question. Uh, and I think I think we're, we're edging towards that. Another thing too is it, this is about repentance and forgiveness too. And so it has to be, um, the, the goal of the law is not to uh, condemn other people. The goal of law preaching is not to, change the to world con- it's not to condemn other people over against ourselves yeah, over right. against ourselves it is not even the intention to change the world although that would be a very nice fruit of repentance the point of law preaching is to get you who are listening to me right now to realize that you have a problem and the only solution is jesus christ and so we maybe have it backwards that uh, you know, the let's just say more Republican leaning demographic church should preach less about these issues um, that most people in the pews, not everybody, but most people in the pews would be like, amen, brother, and start preaching on the issues that their hearts have not really yet been repentant about. Right? Yeah. And I mean, the challenge in every way is to turn um, the law into the animating force of the church, which it ought not be, mm-hmm. or to turn the gospel into mere affirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see both, uh, some people will say, well, in one age you see one, and in one age, another age, I think you always see both in different places, right? Um, but uh, the law is is, uh, is central. You ditch the law, you're in trouble. Um, because, And a lot of people would say, yeah, if you ditch the law, you're in trouble because... Now you're going to have lawlessness. Yes, lawlessness is bad. You don't want it. I'm not pro lawlessness. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> but the, usually. But it's not just that you're going to have lawlessness, some dystopia that develops. It's that you lose Christ mm-hmm. because if you ditch the law, um, what is the law? It's the pedagogue, right? That drives us to Christ. Um, then there's absolutely no reason for the gospel to be gospel. Um, but if the law becomes the animating force for the church that we exist simply to rebuke and condemn um, or even transform, right? Transform this community into something that we want right. it to be. Um, the, uh, 
the gospel becomes an afterthought. The animating force of the church has to be the word of absolution, the gospel. That's what the church has that no one else wants. It's just that the absolution is meaningless. The, the gospel is pronounced to the dead, <clears throat> to dry bones, right? And so it's meaningless when 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 uh when people don't write. It's the same as there's a doctor is only as good um, as his ability to convince you that you need the treatment you need, right? Mm -hmm. um, if a doctor says you. You have you have how. cancer. You have ninety percent chance of success if you have chemo, and the person says, "Ah, I don't, I don't think I want that." <clears throat> a good doctor is going to say, "Well, <clears throat> let's talk about this more. This is why I think you need this." Um, I'm not sure how you know what a what a doctor would do since well, you hypothetically, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the gospel becoming affirmation is just as dangerous, and and, and that's a really uh, an animating force in a lot of churches in our day too, um, and and that's. That would be like the doctor saying, um, you know, you have you have cancer, but you're great just the way you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so the church doesn't want to jump on a bandwagon just to be a pat on the back. You know, you found this righteous cause. and Maybe it is a righteous cause. You're doing great. You're, you know, um, well, that that's wonderful that um, that you're supporting a righteous cause. But you are not righteous with divine righteousness. You need that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think both can become can become dangerous. Um, I think that a good thing for a pastor to ask himself when he's preaching or teaching about these things is, am I trying to win them over to a party or to a tribe or to a... Even an opinion. ...interest yeah. group? And if I'm starting to do that, if I'm trying to make a Republican or a Democrat of them, if I'm trying to make, you know, uh, you pick the, the tribe, <clears throat> then it's problematic. Um what you're what you're trying to do um, is to a absolve them, but b if we want to talk in a sense of third use, you're trying to help them see their neighbor, right? And where is their neighbor? <coughs> their neighbor is in the world. Well, what might be happening to their neighbor in the world? Their neighbor might be suffering economically, or because of racism, or because they're elderly and they don't have access to proper care or housing. Um, their neighbor might be suffering in the womb. Um, their, uh, their neighbor might be suffering because there's a, uh, um, a health care system, and I'm not saying this is the case in America, but they would rather just put them down than treat them, right? Um, because it's more uh, financially viable. Uh, we could, I could go down a list of issues, um, but that that's the point of it. That's you don't I don't what do I want and, and, and the thing is too, so let's say I see my neighbor in poverty. Well, Christ doesn't let me off the hook to say, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna vote for this candidate who says he's gonna get rid of poverty. No. He wants me to see my neighbor in poverty and love my neighbor. Now what does that mean? Maybe I'm not in a, a situation to give him a hundred dollar bill or or whatever or maybe my neighbor as an addict and giving that $100 bill is fueling the addiction. But it's, it's to lead me to see my neighbor, to love my neighbor, and ask how can I help my neighbor beyond posting on Twitter um, or, or putting your trust in princes, which I'm pretty sure there's a pretty important Bible verse about that. Yeah, I think some other things to think about too is, is again, um, we're not trying to reform the sinners, right? We're trying to kill the sinners and then there's going to be a Kill them with the law, not... Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't want anybody accusing us of being right. extremists. <laughs> um, and this is a hard one for people to, to really grasp the, the idea of, and, and we should do another show on spiritual growth and, and how we really should think about that. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, I'm on my way to something better, right? It is. Um, and when we start to view it that way, it usually means we're leaving our neighbor behind. Yeah. It's, it's, it's curved inward kind of thing, right? Because my neighbor weighs me yeah. down. He gets in you, the way. You should, who should not even care about your status before God or your spiritual growth. It just happens. It's going to be a fruit of repentance that, that becomes organically and naturally. Um, I, I think there are some. Or maybe if you, you should care about it in the sense of the word of absolution is important to you. You ought not obsess over it. Yeah. I think that there are times more pastorally in teaching than, than from the pulpit. But it may you could think about this. Um, I think we do need to, like you said, see your neighbor. And in the context as, as a Christian, so I, this is the example I would always use, and, and it's back in the news again, is, is the Confederate flag. And people get are going to get worked up. You can't. It's not really about racism. It's about that history and whatever. Okay. Or let's say taking stuff down and say, well, you're just whitewashing history and never again. Okay. We wouldn't get into that debate. Although it is I, I funny to it, me, like with the statues, like there are no statues of Hitler in Germany. Right. <laughs> but he's like number one on the History right. Channel. So it's like. It's possible to remember things without. Like we don't, we don't put up. In I'm the, not saying take down all the statues, right, but right. it is. We're not taking a stance here, but I, I think we can poke fun of some of the arguments. Well, and it's interesting too, like to ask, like, like there's no Lutheran church with a statue of Leo the Tenth. Be like, it's a part of history. Yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> and even like, when were they built? Like, if, okay, they were built during this time that this thing happened. But it's interesting to me, like when someone's all for like a statue that was like built like in the 50s as a response to the civil rights movement it was clearly meant to intimidate yeah like and and i think even if you don't you don't even have to get down to these i'll admit to like i'm biased on this because part of me like really thinks it would be kind of fun to tear down the statue <laughs> um like when they were rolling that one into the into the sea in england yeah that slave trader guy yeah. It, wasn't it looked a very, fun. It wasn't a very big one, too, so you could look masculine doing it. But it, like, it looked fun. Yeah. And like when they, Saddam Hussein, like when yeah, uh, that was a big one. they pulled down his statue back in the day. We did that? No, the Iraqis I did after we. They but did that? Remember they that on the news? That's, and like everybody terrible. was celebrating it. Like, Why would they celebrate that? But it, when it topped, things look cool when they top. That's ruining history. Anyway, um, this is the point I'm trying to make is that you don't want to get into these arguments with your, with your parishioners, I think outside of certain contexts, because you're like, this is just inflaming whatever. And I want to be respectful of all, blah, 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 blah. What I, the point I want to make is think about it this way. My Christian friends, there are some fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who really don't like the Confederate flag. Can you give up your freedom for that? Right. I mean, this would be an example of acting out in a loving way, you know? And so can you, can you as a preacher and a teacher have this situation can, without getting political and maybe even giving examples, but to lay the groundwork for how you think about these things. And so people are saying, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going out there just a virtue signal, but I am sensitive to say enough to say, okay, this is kind of a big one. And if my brother and sister in Christ says, you know what, you really ought to think about this, 
I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and even, even maybe give up my freedom in love. And that's a very biblical thing, right? I think the other thing to think about, and this is true both of social causes and of preaching the law in general. Um, <clears throat> we should do a freedom episode again, though, too, because well, like just even the freedom of like, what actually do we have? And we should get like a historian besides me on for this one, but like, uh-huh. Like when the people like who won't wear a mask in Costco and then they're like, this is America, we have freedom. It's like, it's a public business. Like if I came to your house, Mike, and you were like, look, if you want to come in my house, you have to wear a mask. Like Like, you have to, yeah. You could call the police if I'm like, no, I have a right right to come in your house and not wear a mask. There's a little bit of absurdity going on right now. Or like Netflix takes something off, which I get like Netflix might be virtue signaling one way or another, but like you can still buy it. (laughs) It's not like they just like took the last reel of some right. film and, and, and incinerated and, it. And as much as I am worried about free speech and all these kinds of being too politically correct and, and that kind of stuff, we're trying to balance this out. Just remember, dear conservatives, that the conservatives, you did, we did this or you did this first. Right. Right. Like you shamed people for your own thing first. Like the nineties. That was, the, that was our jam <laughs> as Christians. <laughs> right. I mean, like, and, and I say that about like Democrats, especially today. And I say, you know, like, oh, uh, Donald Trump is just making up different words and lying. I'm like, just because he does it better than you doesn't mean that you have to be angry about it, right? Like, are you just jealous because he's doing it better than you and more obvious than you? You know, anyway, let's stop with that. Let me talk about, I think, kind of, I, I think a point that's helpful but does not solve the problem about both speaking about social issues but then the law in general we don't want people to go with the law we want them to go with the gospel it's the only hope we have and that is to talk about vocation instead of saying this is this is the issue this is how you should vote you're you're probably going to hell if you're not on on my side of the issue on this particular thing to start talk about what does it mean to what be would be if you had to pick one, one issue where your sinful nature would be tempted to say that? Like I'm you have to, to vote one? this way on that one, yeah. Oh man, that's a good question. That's a good free for all. I would say like if someone tried to say that you shouldn't vote for Barry Sanders for the Hall of Fame, <laughs> I would be pretty animated about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Like what if I ha- if I got if I I don't a, know if I have a political position. I feel that a, way about. If but, you get a free pass from the pulpit where you're like, you need to do this. And right. there's no ramifications. Like if everybody voted for the Hall of Fame yeah. and there was like legitimate debate like Barry Sanders maybe shouldn't get in. Like, But that, that's, not a, that's not a real because that would never happen. I'm just saying if it did. <laughs> All right. I'll have to think about that. But My just, second thing would probably have something to do with bike lanes. <laughs> bike lanes. Um, for or against? Oh, I'm for bike lanes. Okay. I think there's an argument against that. I've there's heard that. some people are pretty there's angry that. about it. Like, get out of the fucking way. Yeah, because they weren't speeding their cages. Anyway, Anyway, I'll tell a story outside about that. Um, To to maybe frame, and this does not solve the problem. You know, when people yell at me, like to get on the sidewalk, you know what I like to do? I say, side what? And they say, (laughs) sidewalk. I said, side what? They say, sidewalk. And I say, exactly. (laughs) Because it's illegal to ride on the sidewalk in most places. Yeah. If you looked more like a biker, like if you'd wear, well, maybe you I used do to look a bike. lot more like a biker. Do you, do you, did you wear bike no, shorts? No, I've never wore like the superhero costume. Your, have you ever shaved your legs? I have wore bike shorts under shorts. I've always insisted I'm wearing something over. Have you ever shaved your legs to get no. less drive? Okay, then you're not a, I don't, I don't want to. This is the problem with America. We think 
bicyclists have to be Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Bicyclist. The primary purpose of a bike is to commute. Are you done? I just I don't think you're a Christian if you're okay. honestly going to argue against. Right. You're going to go with bike, bike lights. Okay. I'm getting on Twitter right now. All right. I'm canceling you. When you, you don't have a Twitter. That's the problem. I can't <laughs> I at you. Can't cancel me. Um, I am uncancelable. I'm, cre- I'm creating a I'm Twitter for. You. I'm creating a Twitter for you right now. I'm uncancelable. I think actually, uh, Wayne Chevy already did. Made a Twitter for you. I want to say he was going. Okay, to Okay, make your to. point. I'm going to look this up, and I'm done talking for the most part. I got to really so figure out this cancel. When thing. you are preaching the law, and then this dovetails a little bit, or is it a way to do when you're talking about social social issues too? is to talk about it in terms of, and this is talking about in terms of virtue, I get it, doesn't solve the problem, but in terms of vocation too, what does it mean to be a businessman? What does it mean to be a citizen? What does it mean to be a doctor to do no harm? What does it mean to be a lawyer? What does it mean to do these things? And, and I think if we were better at saying that a little bit in the abstract a little bit, that the law would hit those people in the right way and not in a, I'm getting you to agree to my side. I'm saying this is what a virtuous lawyer looks like. And the lawyer out there is going to be, um, it's going to be cut to the heart, right? And, or, or the greedy businessman is going to be cut to the heart. And I think that selfish driver. Yeah. And the selfish driver who does not like bike lanes, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, you know, I can just imagine this jerk with a Confederate flag. The Emmett flag, Smith homer the, the, that doesn't think yeah, Barry Sanders should be in the, the Hall of The game. Confederate flag in the back of his, his You'd be truck surprised how often it is a big truck with some sort of flag. <laughs> um, and then the terms they use usually are not flattering no. either. Um, but to think about it in terms of vocation, instead of – it takes the ease off the, 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 the politicizing of everything, right? Um you need to be speaking about sins of greed, sins of racism, along with sins of, uh, of more of a, what we call bedroom sins, you know, having to do with sex and reproduction. Um, I was thinking like eating a lot in bed gluttony. And I think there's that, yeah, that's, is that a bedroom sin? Let's if put you're it, doing it in your bedroom. For, for you and I, it is. Um, <laughs> And I think, too, also it, it tends to be a little bit more positive in the sense of this is, this is the, the calling God has given you and he's lifted you to a high degree here. Um, and with neighbor in mind, right? So it's a privilege for me to be a citizen who is thoughtful. It may, it, it's a privilege for me to be a citizen who, in certain circumstances, would protest. It's a privilege for me to be a doctor who is going to do no harm. It is a privilege for me to be um, a neighbor in any given situation. It's a privilege for me to take care of my employees, right? It's a privilege for me to be responsible with the environment uh, if I'm the CEO of a large company, for example, right? And, and I think that's a better way to go going at it instead of just the fire and brimstone that is going to usually leave somebody unscathed and is not gospel driven and certainly is not neighbor driven. It is virtue, as we say, for the sake of virtue or virtue signaling for the sake of my own self-righteousness on the other hand too. So um, I'm going to let you talk now. You can talk about bike lanes if you want. You can talk about something, you know, as serious as bike lanes if you want as well. No, I mean, I, I think... Hopefully it's been a helpful discussion, but I think um, 
the biggest thing, like we've been saying, is to not lose sight of your neighbor and to not lose sight of your identity. Um, your identity is not tied to any cause. Um, your identity is, is yours in Christ and it's baptismal um, so that you're free to support worthwhile causes. Um, but as a Christian, you're not free uh, to get absorbed in them as far as who you are. And do it for the sake of neighbor, not right. for your own for your own virtue. Right. You are not your profile picture. You are not your, um, you know, this is, you are more than that. And that's what frees you to serve your neighbor through them. Um, and, and to want to understand your neighbor, um, <clears throat> that the preacher and teacher should, should want to help you to do that, to help you see things you haven't um, seen before. I mean, this is the role of um, of therapy often. This is the role of a um recovery groups this is what the stoics to get back to the stoics uh, well um to help you change perspective on some things uh the way the lenses through which we see things often are very inward turned as mike likes to say channeling augustine um or they're they're limited by our experience um and so to be able to 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 use a simple thing um we we hear debates about racism in our country uh and someone with very good intentions um, can can use the the slogan right? Black Lives Matter, um, and a lot of people probably from our backgrounds <clears throat> hear that and don't fully understand what's being said by that. So the temptation might be to say, "Yeah, all things, all lives matter." Well, it's also true that all lives matter, and I I would doubt that most who would say Black Lives Matter are saying all lives don't <laughs> matter. Not the point. Yeah. What that person is is trying to say is there's a group that has suffered. Um, whose lives have maybe not been treated as being as important as other people's. Now, I'm not taking a stance for or against any political agenda, right? Um, but just as someone who, the older I get, the more I realize um, the plethora of experiences people have and how my own, I would not say my own experience has been limited. Um, it's not as if I've lived in the same town my whole life, whatever else. But um, but my experience is not... Uh, universal right neither is mike's and my experience is not mike's there's things that may bother mike or that um things about how mike grew up or where he's lived that maybe have been traumatic to him that have not been traumatic to me there's other things that may have been traumatic to mike's temptations might not be my temptations right there's there's differences in this i, I had an uncle who who was a cyclist who got hit by a car twice and that's why i'm such an advocate for bike lanes. yeah but i mean if you were to look at mike and i on paper we're not all that different um so the preacher to get people to wake up to understand too, um, to listen to neighbor and to understand, um, you know where they're where they're coming from and, and what they're getting. Uh, you know, an example that comes to mind often for me is when we talk about schools and education, where people stand on on how good are America's schools? What should we do with America's schools? What's the benefits of education? That's largely conditioned of the encounters they've had. Um, what was the school they went to? <laughs> What were the resources? What you know? Um, did they go scared? Did they go not scared? Did they go fed? Did they go not fed? Um, did they go to a school that was high performing and really encouraged? Did they go to a school with, um, where it was hard not to be discouraged? Um, right, that's going to condition how someone talks about this. And so to be able to listen and feel where your neighbor's coming from before jumping to some point, and with the honest desire to understand your neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be the real challenge. And it's especially, I hate to pick on Twitter, but it's especially the challenge when how most of us get news, cable news and Twitter and stuff. 
you don't get to know your neighbor through sound bites. You get to you you get to know reactions, right? Um, and uh, and that's where uh, thoughtful preaching and teaching can be helpful, both for those in the pews, um, but it also equipping those in the pews to be able to engage with those uh, in the world. Yeah, um, and so you know, just we're not trying to say the the preacher should not be political. I mean, that, that's a very Lutheran thing to think about, a very, I think, Christian thing to think about. It's a very American thing to, to think about. And when we say that, we don't mean that the preacher, we're not saying the preacher shouldn't talk about things that are discussed in politics. Yeah. And what we mean is the preacher's job is not to win you to a party. It's not to get you to be in the GOP or the Democratic Party or the Green Party or the Libertarian Party. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it. some people say that, well, that's just an excuse. Well, you got to understand that we're trying to try to get people into heaven, <laughs> right? Both Republicans and Democrats in our system, uh, both this and the other thing. And so it, it can be a very tricky thing. So, uh, and, and we don't want it to be about us versus them. And our it, message has not been given to us for a specific people. Christianity is a, uh, go into all the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we need to be careful on, you know, on how we do that. And so it is a balance and acts of everything. And I think, uh, keeping a couple of things in mind that this is about neighbor, the, the law of preaching as in go out now in the world, it's a, it's a very neighbor thing. It's a very vocational thing. It should not be a hot-headed political thing. But ultimately, it's got to be a gospel thing. This has got to be a death of those sinners and a resurrection of somebody new. And, and It's the, not getting you to join the club. It's, yeah, it's getting you grafted into the body of Christ. And the more you die and rise, the more you're going to be connected to Christ. The more you see your life as vocation, the more you become a co-worker and a mask of God. And that's where you become a more thoughtful citizen and um, a, a more loving neighbor. And that just doesn't happen overnight. Um, it, it is something that it's kind of a roller coaster. And again, it's not, a, it's not always a start you know, of an, a graph on the, on the lower left-hand corner and you're on your way up to the upper right. It's about a death and a resurrection. And forget about the graph. This is about neighbor, and it's not about your self-righteousness. So we thank you for your Facebook posts. But, Those yeah. are important. Yeah. They are they can important be. because they are spreading a message or whatever. Um, but remember that to do it not for the sake of your own righteousness. You are righteous in Christ already. And, and you know, maybe... Donate to some of those, and now I will get a little, donate to some of those causes that are like, you know, legal causes for those who don't have funds for good legal defense. Those kinds of, those kinds of things I think can be, they are, can be political, but they are not like, okay, I have to choose either side or I have to, I have to hold my nose at uh, some political's particular agenda over here so that I can support this one thing. I mean, there are ways that you can get off Facebook and do stuff. And I, I think, um, you know, I, just to come back to maybe a therapy or recovery and I'll, I'll use the model. Um, and, uh, Zal's brother, Dave Zal's brother, John has a good book kind of on how the church is kind of like AA. And if, um, if you know anybody who's, who's gone through AA or recovery, one of the interesting things about it is the hard thing is to get people in that room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get people in the room, and you've got doctors and homeless people. You've got Democrats and Republicans. You've got <clears throat> clergy and um, people who couldn't even tell you how many commandments there are. 
you have, ten. You have got um, the educated people with PhDs. You've got people who made it through eighth grade. You've got people who had wonderful family backgrounds, um, and people who never even knew one or both of their parents. And what makes that when they speak of it as a fellowship, and they're not talking in religious terms like when we talk about church fellowship. But what makes it that is that everyone realizes they're there because they have a problem, Mm -hmm. right? And that it's a problem they don't have power over. Now, um, they might talk about a higher power. So I'm not making a strict comparison to the church. We would call that, obviously, the the triune God. Um, But that's kind of not a bad comparison for what the church needs to be in the world. Um, You know, that we want people to feel welcome stepping through the door and then looking around and realizing we're all here because we have a problem. Now, that may manifest it in different ways. Maybe one drunk was a functioning alcoholic and never crashed a car. Maybe another one, you know, did something fantastic, you know, not fantastic, like impressive, but like, you know, has a great story. Um, not everybody's Paul on the road to Damascus. Uh, some were baptized as a baby and never fell away. Um, but the law's job is to make us realize we have a problem, however it might manifest itself, and to despair of ourselves um, in solving it perfectly when it comes to our own selves, our identity, and our righteousness. And then the gospel is to, to give that and to say that what Mike needs if he's the, uh, you know, the, the brain surgeon who somehow has managed to keep his job and functioned, um, and I don't know, what do you want to make me, Mike? Um, I would like you to uh, be a, a bike repairman. I'm a, a bike mechanic um, who, uh, you know, has lost everything otherwise. Uh, what Mike needs and what I need, miraculously, are the same. Now, Mike might have a nicer house to go back to if he, what's your addiction, Mike? You want to pick one? Um, this, I'll do alcohol. Okay. Um, he might have... If he manages to sober up, and he might have a family and a house to go back to, I might. Uh, oh, what's mine? Heroin. Heroin. Okay. Um, then you were gonna go something with needles. Um, I might have a lot more to repair when I leave, and the temptation in that recovery group or in the church could be for me to, instead of saying we're here because we have the same problem and we have the same need, for me to say, you know what, Mike doesn't need the same thing as Wade. Mike, you just you got to work on just patching up the stuff without you still have this, whatever way you, you got to go to the, you know, um, this place and this place and it just becomes law. But even recovery groups get this right. The rest comes, the rest will come from it. Um, and how will it come by recognizing what you need? Um, and then when the time comes, you're ready through service to others. And then there's, there's not all these prescriptions for, for everything else. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like in America where we, we got in the painkiller crisis. And we realized, you know what, a lot of people are in pain, so what did we what did we do? We just gave everybody Vicodin and, what was it, oxycodone? Or, um, uh, and it turned out we weren't actually treating what was causing the pain. And what happened? We ended up with a bunch of people addicted to the painkillers. Well, you know what the painkiller can be? It can be finding my righteousness in, in what are good causes, but in a way that I'm not actually invested in them or part of them for my neighbor, but because I just want the painkiller because I can feel better about myself saying I'm for this thing than actually being invested in my neighbor and dealing with my own 
very real problems, right? Um, and it what is what it does then is it channels my dissatisfaction and my anger um, uh, into this thing, and that then I can I escape that for a while because I've channeled it into this thing. Um, but it hasn't. It isn't that I've escaped it. I'm just not thinking about it. The same if I have cancer and I just don't think about it. I go on a Netflix binge. My cancer hasn't gone away. I've just channeled my mind into something else. And the church's job is to keep calling people back from that and saying, you know, here's here's what you have in Christ. Here's your neighbor. The world is now given back to you as a tool for serving your neighbor. And and how can you now? now do this well and and i think a, a good way to measure that um is if you find yourself watching the news or on social media and you're getting upset right step back and maybe even take a pen and paper and write out what am i upset about and why right um and a lot of times that you know that might expose how you've made Whatever your allegiances is, or, or your, you've made these things something beyond what they, what they ought to be, right? Um, you're upset about racism. Good people should be upset about racism, but are you upset about how racism has affected your neighbor, mm-hmm. right? Can right. you put a face on that? Can you go love that person? That's an entirely um, different thing. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, like, I'll yeah, stop and, now. And we talked about this. It's being an abstract thing, right? It's an abstract cause. It's an abstract <laughs> it goes back to thing. the Grand Inquisitor episode. Yeah, and it's 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 not not a real person. It's not it's not neighbor. And uh, you know, before we get too self righteous in our own, I mean, I think you start off with, especially for the preacher, being like, "Yeah, I'm not that great. In fact, I'm I'm pretty bad." No, and I can um, only talk about because you know me. I get right. on and I. I'll text Mike or call him all, or I'll be on Telegram, and I'm the guy who's all upset about stuff. And then Mike's usually the opposite of like, well, what you, you know, whatever. And then I'll step back and be like, yeah, why well, I'm so mad about that. Um, but you know, if you're going to, if you're going to rail on, pick your sin. Yeah, look in your heart and see that you're probably going to see the same uh, temptations, the same anger. And if you were in that spot, uh, I wouldn't think too highly of yourself that you were you were going to do the same thing. Um, and that's what you mean by uh, kind of the AA analogy that I think is very helpful on, on a lot of different levels. So we're out of time, but uh, I, I don't know we're a little rambling, but as an episode I've been wanting to do for a long time right now, because I think about that a lot with uh, work with vocation, that uh, preaching, I think the uh, the shalom, the flourishing and the concepts of vocation does kind of help us navigate some of these trickier things for preachers because the goal always is the gospel heaven and that is not to the uh, exclusion of this world on the contrary it is those who are grafted into christ and who are resurrected who are going to surely show love to neighbor Um, and And to want to make this world a better place but to truly be concerned for our neighbor who wants to make this place heaven Yeah. because God has created a heaven for them. Yeah. And, you know, to want them to know that, yes, work to do everything you can to make this life wonderful for your neighbor. But understand, it's not your job to build heaven. Yeah. Christ has ascended. Yeah. And I think that's that that can be can be a very uh, 
a narrow pathway, but I think it's something worth thinking about, especially for your preachers out there. So uh, the goal is the gospel, because that is ultimate freedom forever in heaven. And to know that we are free here, that we don't feel bad about the gifts that we have, um, but that we are also free to love, right? And free to use all the benefits and the blessings that we have in love with neighbors. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. Let the bird fly. Every evening when the sun goes down, get with my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a drink. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. One more round won't get me down. I don't care what the people are saying.